Christina Hernandez to the meeting at work and also to this Clock Talk podcast lunch. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> Thank you. So Christina's joining us from Netflix, if we haven't figured that out already. And what is your title at Netflix? So my title is Director of Global Inclusion Initiatives and Insights, which basically just means I work on all of our global inclusion programs. Okay, that's three. And data. That's three eyes in your title. It's did, a lot of eyes. Did you plan that? I only realized it after the fact okay. because I tried to make it. Yeah. Brief, I'm like, G-I squared? What is yeah, that? Yeah, there's yes, something a lot there of in the branding that we should work on we after this. We have to work on it. Because yeah. there's something cool like all the eyes or something. <laughs> I love this. Well, I love your title. You've been leading these inclusion initiatives at Netflix for... Three and a half years. You joined in 2018. October 2018, right around when you did. Yes, I joined in September 2018. Exactly. So yeah, and I'm one of many. So I'm one of many people who lead this. But yeah, it's been about three and a half years, which is a long time at Netflix. Let me do the math. Three years, nine months. Yeah. Yeah, by the time we publish here. Exactly. So going on four. Striking. Wow. wow. <laughs> and you were basically, Vernay came in, Vernay Myers, yeah. our head of inclusion. She brought you along because you had been working together for yes. years. Yes. So you were one and two. We were actually three and four. Oh. There were two people that already been hired yeah. to help our ERG program. And so they were just working with our ERG program. So we brought them in with us to the inclusion program. So Trey Wright, who was at the company. I know Trey. I hired him. Instagram. I don't know Trey personally, but we're like, I don't know, Instagram, really good friends. Yeah. Trey's Instagram friends with lots a of, lot of people. And yeah. in real life is an amazing human being. Yes. They hired the first inclusion managers at Netflix. So when we joined in October, those folks had been there since July. So cool. Yeah. So there's the foundation of the start of inclusion. I caught Trey... You were DJing somewhere internally at Netflix. And I was like, come on, the HRBPs DJ here. They do. And so do some of the legal people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Trey inspired me to DJ inside Netflix. I brought my DJ skills there. I've seen it happen. Yeah. It was awesome. DJs and discussions for Hillary Ware. I'm like, there's a litigator litigating on a panel and I'm just DJing in front of it. Like, how cool. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Let's talk a little, Christina, about how your session went today. I thought it was an outstanding session, and I actually have the title of it here, I'd like to say. It was considered a super session, and the title is Fulfilling the Promise, How Legal Ops and Law Departments Can Enhance ESG, CSR, and DEI programs. Yes. We loaded it up with the acronym. Yes, we love them. We love them. We love acronyms, Mm -hmm. but can you... First, define our acronyms for us so that we're all on that same Corporate Social Responsibility, DEI, it also may EDI or whatever, Inclusion, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion. And then what was the third one again? ESG. Environmental Social Governance. Yes. Yeah. So that's the topic and what a great group. Now, how do you know the group that you were on the panel with today? It's a good question. So... Back before I became a recovering lawyer, I was a practicing lawyer and I actually practiced at a couple law firms, but I ended up practicing for 10 years and did the whole equity partner gig with Brad, who was- Recovering lawyer, right here. Recovering lawyer. (laughs) Recovering partner. Yeah. So I used to practice law with Brad and he's head of the panel and he called me up like two months ago and said, hey, I'm doing this panel. I'd love you to be on it and I'm happy to do it. And then I found out 
that you're on the board of this organization. Yeah. So it was just a win all around. So cool. So dip back into the recovering lawyer moment before we come back to this amazing panel and some of the bullets within. What happened with the law career? I mean, here you are in inclusion at a foremost inclusion program in, in a corporation in America. What was that moment that you made that choice? Tell me about the fork in the road that sure. was your career choice. It's a good question. And I alluded to it a little bit in the panel because I said, you know, I practice law and then I blew up my life. In 2012. So to be very honest with you, I had a life change. I decided to move to California and got remarried. And at the time I was an equity partner at the law firm. And and I thought, okay, well, I have to move and they don't have an office. So I'll resign my law partnership. But then I found myself not applying to law firms. Oh, where were you applying? I was not applying. Because <laughs> you were just not applying at all. Well, I opened a solo practice and I was just doing okay. things, but I was not kind of jumping back into the race. Yeah. And so I really started unpacking for myself. Why am I not jumping back into the race? And Vernay, who's the head of our inclusion sure. team, I've known Vernay since 1995. And I'd hired her a couple of times and I called her to ask for advice. So I just was stuck. And she literally said to me, hey, I think you should probably keep practicing law, but why don't you come work with me? And so I literally apprenticed with Renee for wow. six months and followed her around and learned from her and did all those different things and, and kind of jumped into the inclusion work. But it had always been something that has been very close to my heart. There was a reason I hired Renee because I was always running every diversity committee, hiring committees, all of that. So when this opportunity presented itself, I kind of make it sound like a small thing, but yeah. I jumped with both feet into it. I thought, okay, this is the moment where I actually have to take a risky move for myself. So kind of started at the ground again, just I got to start this new career. And here I am almost exactly to the day 10 years later in this position. So I feel incredibly lucky. And it was actually one of the braver things I did. Cause yeah, I was, I was very, courage. I was just straight arrow undergrad law school and I blew it up. Wow. I blew it up. And How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that there was a combustive moment for you that made the choice. And I love that about life, that it's not always so linear. It doesn't have to be. And really cool, beautiful, impactful things can happen with, you know, a little fire, a little spark and a little explosion. When we were talking before, Jen, in preparation for this, we were talking about the importance of knowing who you are and the importance of self-investment. For me, that was the first time that I did something kind of brave for myself and stretch myself in a different way. And and I don't want to discount the things I had done before, sure. but it was a real investment in something I truly believed in. And like, okay, I don't know if I can actually do this, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I can't believe it's 10 years since that decision, but it was something that I kind of just, okay, we're just doing this. We're going with it. We're going with it. Now at the time, was Renee running her consulting business where she was hired into different corporations, yes. institutions to crack people open into a new kind of thinking and a new way of programming, maybe policies at the company, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. And she started in the legal space. Yeah. So when I first met her, she was running it. Also a lawyer? She was a lawyer. She's also a recovering lawyer. Yeah. She was only in it for five. So I, I took me a lot longer <laughs> to get to the recovering space. But when I first met her, she was running an organization called the Boston Law Firm Group, yeah. which was for attorneys from historically marginalized communities to sustain the legal profession. But yeah, we started with law firms and then we worked in corporate. So Netflix was a client. Netflix was a client. So you were coming around probably 2017-ish consulting at Netflix. Can we talk about 
the moment where you made another leap and decided to take it from what was Vernet's business into Netflix and that fork in the road as yeah. well. It was a big decision. Yeah, I bet. It was a big decision. And it was one that was really on some level hers to make for her because she had this company, but obviously it was a decision for me as well. Here's the thing. I think anyone who's involved in inclusion work, and that's anyone in any role, and I know, Jen, you feel this way, is that you're looking for opportunity to make change. Yeah. And so if we can make any change at Netflix with this company that has such an incredible impact on people's lives, if there's anything that we can do to help people feel included to work on representation of screen, that is a worthwhile investment of time. Yeah. And so for us, it was, okay, we might be able to actually do something with an incredible group of people who yeah. care. I've never had to have the discussion with folks at Netflix to make them care about this. No. I've never had to have the discussion. People care and people at Netflix are obsessed with accountability. Our yeah. culture makes it so that we all want to be accountable to innovating ourselves yeah. or our work in the business or how we do the thing and what a place to take this and the spirit and the passion that was always in you. And it's incendiary. You can go in there and really, and I describe this to friends and peers a lot. I say, look, everyone talks the talk with inclusion and that's great. We should all be expanding vocabulary, but I see us really trying to walk the walk inside the company at Netflix with what I've observed you, Vernay, and your organization doing. Thank you. And, and here's the thing. I mentioned this in the panel. Yeah. For us, I get excited about the things, for example, that you do and yeah. other folks in legal ops do and other folks in the company because it really isn't about us at all. Yeah. It just isn't. And one of the things I mentioned at the panel is you can hire amazing inclusion professionals, but unless you empower folks and you give folks the ability to see what change they can make yeah. and make them feel like they can do it. That's what gets me excited. So when I mentioned, Jen, the work that you've done in the legal group, and you're such a champion for inclusion, and you do an incredible newsletter, and you do all these things about data, and it makes a difference. And for some folks, it's like, why would it make a difference? Because it's integrated in the business. And we don't have to be in the room because you're in the room. And that's great. I love how you framed all of that. It's like, You're serving as a gateway for us. And as we go through the gate, you're handing us tools. Here's the four C's. Consciousness, competence, compassion. And compassion is one of the ones too that some people like compassion. What do you mean by compassion? Real, actual compassion. Right. Something is unfolding before you and being compassionate. Yeah. But people need definitions on that. Yeah, for sure. So actually there's a very helpful Harvard Business Review article that came out two months ago about the differentiator being compassion in the workplace. Oh, I forget that. And it's beyond caring for someone because that's obviously part of it. We need to show care to the people who are around us. We need to try to understand. But compassion's also doing things to help change the circumstance. And we've talked about this. It's when someone needs the information, you give it to them. Even when it feels scary, even though you think it may hurt, information is power. So we don't want to dysfunctionally rescue folks and not, Thank not you. My take care of it. Yeah. We want to give people what they need. Yeah. We want to tell the truth, even when it's hard. We want to publish the success of people. Yeah. So all these things are actually about compassion. And it's not just, I see what your experience is, but how can I be with you in this in a way that uplifts the circumstance? So to us, that's a real differentiator. Real differentiator. and. So many opportunities for you teach us with tools to walk this walk. And I love that you brought up the, what is it? It's Legal's Inclusion Data Dashboard. Yes. That that I created 
surreptitiously in a stairwell talking to Daniela Geller from the talent team. I love it. Just past each other. And she said, hey, this is my second month. Hey, you want to do an inclusion data dashboard? We should do that. This is 2018. I'm like, yes, we should. And she's like, I think we could just tap into the workday data using our folks over at Talent Analytics as partners. And let's come up with some visuals. I'm like, cool. And she's like, you'll run the project. I'm like, oh, okay. I just got a project (laughs) in the stairwell. But that's really how it started. And then we tapped you guys in, Mm -hmm. our inclusion partners, and said, you cool with this? And thought partnership. And we just all met and co-created this version one for a few months and launched it. And we share it with all of legal on a quarterly basis. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is what I love too, because we were talking about this before, is yeah. like you're on version five or something, yeah. is that nothing is perfect the minute no. it happens and you can't wait for it to be perfect if you really no. want to make transformative change. It is the discussion in the stairway. It's like, let's just try this thing. Let's just try it. And, and you know what? Launch board- it and see what sticks. We'll get feedback where it helps. We'll get no feedback. We'll, have, we'll get feedback to give more feedback. And we'll hear where it could be better. And one place that we focused on is, I was like, oh, legal or words people, maybe I shouldn't (laughs) only hit them with the numbers. And sometimes I even say, trigger warning, numbers coming. And so we've evolved in version five to actually putting out qualitative narrative points in front of the data. We'll say three or four trends we saw in the data, either in this quarters or we'll do longitudinal. We'll look Mm -hmm. back because I think as the gentleman on your panel said, Cornell, Cornell, he quoted my old general counsel, Mark Chandler from Cisco, which was a fun, shiny moment for me. Mark Chandler has said, you know, your legal ops people are highly analytical people. They love data. They love numbers. Graphs don't scare us. I was an economics major. I love a graph. (laughs) Give it to us and we will help put those visualizations out And I'll sit and draw a narrative out. I'll fly them over to you and team and say, this sound right? And we'll just keep adding from there. And that's where we're at now in version five. Yeah. I think one of the things we're really trying to convey in this panel is you all have the ability to do transformative change. And that's actually one of the aspects of it is that there is, and I mentioned this in the panel, we're trying to make change along four levels. We're trying to change individuals, interpersonal systems and culture. But when you're talking about systems change, yeah. You have to understand the system. And a lot of the systems you have to analyze through data. And so understanding your representation, your promotion rates, all these different things over time, and to be able to point out to folks who maybe aren't as in love with data as perhaps you and I are, to say, these are the big things that you need to understand from this. That's where you all have just a front row seat on information that can really be transformative for the organization. Yeah, 100%. And we love the data. We're empowered to do things. I always come back to this with what Vernay has said internally at Netflix and publicly in the press as we published a lot of our own company workday data trends, numbers, how are we doing? She says inclusion is an inside job. Yeah. And I think that is one of the most powerful statements that we neglect to, I think, really take in. Tell us your thoughts on that and what, how you feel about that. So multifaceted. But yeah, it's one of my favorite things she says too, is that we can say all the things we want publicly, but unless our insides match our outsides, it doesn't matter. And so that's true for us as individuals, just recognizing. And I think Audrey on our panel said, it's like, none of us are perfect either. So when we make mistakes, we have to own them. We have to figure out where we need to grow. We have to rely on others to help us. 
we have to take care of our own teams. We have to take care of our own business. And then we have to interact with others who are working with us, competitors, not competitors, because we're going to need to do all the this together. So, yeah. but it really starts inside because yeah. it is an inside job for sure. It's an inside job. My inside job started 18 years ago when I lost in my 20s, went to social work school. See, I missed your thing this morning because yeah. I didn't get to hear the full journey I'll, of Jen. I didn't even get into the social work really? part in my opening segments for Clock. I actually... See, you could be an inclusion person because so many yeah. inclusion people went to yeah. get... I got clinical training. Yeah, I did 5,000 hours we're clinically. Gonna, we're going to talk. And geriatric was really my focus mm. those years because I really... Newsflash, I'm an old soul and I can work with people that are in an aging dynamic very well. So that was my focus, but I got a lot of clinical training, a lot of research, and I had a nonprofit social work job for a few years advocating for the geriatric or older person community. I only told this story today from the touring musician point that came a few years after that or parallel to that forward into legal ops because there wasn't enough time to get into like also... (laughs) Active listening in spades with you, me. You have to learn that. Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh my goodness, those muscles. And look, I went into that program because I knew I had it. I have counselors in the family and other social workers. I knew I had it. The gift of active listening and the real gift of empathy and being able to yeah. hold space for others. But to go into a program like that, you still have to break it down and break yourself down and talk about the inside job and map it all out. And it was one of the most uncomfortable times of my life because that's not pretty. No, no, it's not pretty. And then rebuild and take it forward so that you can appropriately, safely and compassionately be across the table or in any setting with someone and step a few steps with them in their journey. To me, that's inclusion work. A hundred percent. Yes. We all need to do a little bit of leaders in businesses, as managers, as contributors, leading without authority, but you're project managing a 50 person project. You need that skill set as well. Absolutely. Everything you said is just so right on is that all of us need that. If you are a person that deals with other people, which we all do. Yeah. You need this toolkit for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, these are really people jobs. I mean, I know mm-hmm. we do spreadsheets and legal ops and I bet you guys do some spreadsheets. I like a spreadsheet. You like a spreadsheet? I do. I'm a little nerdy. You got the, <laughs> the analytical brain. Okay. Yeah. Desert Island pick. You're going to the Desert Island. You have to bring one of your productivity suite tools. Are you bringing a spreadsheet? Oh, I'm bringing a spreadsheet. Really? That's like the one you would take? That's, it is. Well, can I take paper? You can take paper. Yeah. Paper, I'm talking it, like Excel. Word or the Google equivalents, PowerPoint, or there's, there's oh, I take a spreadsheet. I take a spreadsheet. Wow, I need to calculate things. You'll, okay, <laughs> I've got a quantitative, analytical brain. Because well, you can inclusion, actually, you can make visuals in a spreadsheet. Recovering lawyer, yeah, inclusion professional. My mind, closet, my mind's gone. closet analytics. Closet analytics. How'd that work in law school? Not well. well. I mean, you had to read a lot of stuff. I had to read a lot of stuff. And you had to like write briefs, I imagine, and like then be in a contract. You know, when I ended up getting into analytics, this is actually when I was litigating because I did securities work. Yeah. And then I also did an actuarial malpractice case. Okay. So I I owned with actuaries for three years. Nerd. I don't even know what nerd camp. <laughs> We're in a nerd intersection right now. And you've unlocked the box of respect I have for litigators as well. 
I just have mega respect for litigators. I don't love when they litigate me or my no. legal ops program. I'm like, please think more like a business partner, but what a skill and talent and you're all terrifying, but we need you in the world. But put that in a little box on the side now because I don't want to be terrifying. Well, now <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm playing with words here, but you're sort of litigating inequity. Yeah, for now. sure. And you're able to do, I'm pointing at the thing, you're able to point at it and go, no, and we need to do better right. and here's some skills. I think one of the things too that being a legal professional does give you yeah. is the ability to see the long game. Yeah. You need to be able to see 50 steps down the road. Yeah. Like, okay, here's where we need to go. And what are the steps that we're going to need to get there? And what are the obstacles that may get in our way? And it may take time. And I think that is one of the gifts I took from being in the legal profession for so long is we all have to have that. Yes. So we just know that we're dealing in years. We're so rarely dealing in things that are minutes. And so that has been a gift to be able to just, okay, and be patient. Be patient. Keep at it for sure. Yeah. It's the secret thing I have in the back pocket is that piece yeah, of Yeah. And I hear you say it a lot inside at Netflix. Renee says it too, the patience. You've drawn some beautiful slides on the years it takes for us. And yeah. I think, you know, as we wind our podcast down here and come to the end, I think that's a really great takeaway is for people to be able to slow down, stay the course. What Audrey was saying on the panel, do one thing yeah. and, and do it well and see it through and we can't change systems all at once. Anything else to add to kind of the final culmination yeah. of all of it? First of all, I have to say Audrey was amazing to hang out with. You should just talk with her because she's amazing. I want to. She's awesome. I think that's right. And again, kind of hearkening back to the conversation we had to prep for this, Jen. It's the long game. Yeah. And it does take resilience and it does take self-care and grace. Yeah. Because we all mess up. We and sure we need to give ourselves grace so we can keep moving forward. Yeah. And also to savor the times where you have, yeah. like you can justifiably say, yeah, that's a good moment. Okay. So long so game. That. Mm-hmm. Now quantify this for me, spreadsheet yes. brain. <laughs> We're talking a 10 year journey. Because that's what it took for me as a person out of social work school to really map to people and be able to do that kind of work effectively. It yeah. was 10 years of checking myself, doing the work, failing a lot. Yeah. All right. It's 10 years at least. And here's the other thing too. Like today, I guarantee you at some point today, I will learn something I didn't know. And I'm just going to start all over again with some new piece of information I need to have. So it's absolutely a year's game and it does make a difference. Yeah. But you're going to do what we do at Netflix. You're going to iterate. I'm going to iterate. You're going to pivot. Yes. We're going to iterate into the next version. And it's all part of the beautiful, agile evolution of inclusion in everything we do. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Christina, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. I'm going to be the envy of everybody on the inclusion team doing this podcast with you. So thank you. Yeah. Well, let's do more at some point. Well, internal at Netflix or somewhere else. We're not done talking. Awesome. Thanks, Jen. Thanks. 